Well, now, if those children who are going to Sunday school um, would like to uh, leave. And uh, if the rest of us could turn in our Bibles, if you're able to, you don't have to, you can just listen if you prefer. But if you'd like to, if you could turn to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18. And this is on page 1148 in the Church Bibles. So page 1148, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him then, we appeal to you, not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So um, please do keep your uh, Bible open and uh, we will now um, uh, pray and then consider this passage together. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity that we have now to consider your word and we pray that you will please Speak to us. Please help me to be able to teach your word clearly and faithfully and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And please, may every one of us hear your voice speaking to us. And please, Lord, may we come to you and draw near to you and and indeed hear what you're telling us to do, to be reconciled 
to yourself. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, here in this passage, the Apostle Paul makes an impassioned appeal to his readers in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, be reconciled to God. Now, that appeal stands today because these words were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the same God who spoke through the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago is speaking to us today. And I stand here in his name. And I repeat that call. Be reconciled to God. God is urging you to come to him and to become friends with him. Now, we need to just be clear on the word, the meaning of this word reconciled. Perhaps not all of us are fully familiar with it. So let me just explain what this word means. To be reconciled with somebody means to be restored to being at good terms with somebody with whom you previously were on bad terms. Let me give you an example from everyday life. Suppose you happen to offend somebody with something you said or you did, and that person got really angry with you and upset with you. And perhaps as a consequence, you got upset with that person as well. And so the two of you stop speaking to each other. And if you see each other in the street, you sort of, you know, you, don't, you pretend not to notice them and you walk past each other. So your relationship with that other person has broken down. But suppose... You, as you think about it and you, you ponder it in your mind, you think, you know what, I think I was at fault. You feel a bit guilty that perhaps the thing you did wasn't quite right and, and you, you, you feel, oh, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have done what I did. And eventually you summon up the courage, you pluck out the courage and you perhaps send the person a text or something like that. You say, I'm, I'm really, really sorry. I, I think I was at fault and I do hope you'll forgive me. And you're wondering, oh, what's the response going to be? But you get a, you get a message, oh, don't worry, it's fine. I, you know, and, 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 and then you meet up and you shake hands and maybe have a hug and, and it's all over. And now you, you're, you're, you're good friends again. So, so what's happened there is you were enemies, you were alienated from each other, but then you've become friends. And the word that is used for that is reconciled. You've been reconciled together. And the, 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 the process of that happening is called reconciliation, where two enemies come back together, become friends. That is reconciliation. Now, these verses speak about how God has made it possible 
for us to be reconciled to himself through the death of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, the background to this is that we, in our natural state, are enemies of God. We've become alienated from God because of the bad things we do. These bad things that we have done in the past and we continue to do right up to this very day, they come between us and God like a barrier. Maybe like a, you know, on a, we've got a beautiful sunny day today, but what happens when you get a, a, a really cloudy, dark day? It's not that the sun has gone anywhere, but a cloud has come between the sun and us. And so our sins come between us and God like a thick, dark cloud so that we don't feel the sunshine of his love. And so, and the problem is that our sins act as a barrier between us and God because God is so pure and so holy, he can't draw near to people who are bad and sinful like us because otherwise... Unless something's done with our sin, he would compromise his holiness. And so there is this this alienation. We don't want God because we don't love God. But also, God cannot draw near to us because of our sin. But what the apostle talks about in this passage is that... God has provided a means by which we can become at peace with him through what Jesus did on the cross. And now God says that barrier can be taken away. You can now be friends with me. And he speaks through his apostle and says, come, come and be friends with me. I want to be friends with you. Please will you come? There's nothing from my side anymore, as if he's saying. There's no barrier from my point of view. You can come to me, and you can be at peace with me. So, in this passage, Paul is urging his readers to take advantage of what God has provided through Jesus Christ. So, as we think about this passage, I want to do so under four headings. First of all, I want us to think about our need to be reconciled with God. Secondly, I want to think about how reconciliation with God is possible. Thirdly, God's plea to be reconciled. And fourthly, the urgent need for us to respond. So first of all, our need to be reconciled. What is the problem? Let me just... Elaborate a bit more on what I've explained. I start to explain just now in terms of sin. If we have a look in verse 19, we see that uh, by implication, the problem has been our trespasses. He says, "God was in Christ. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses." against them. 
So trespasses had to be dealt with. The problem of trespasses. You know, we perhaps sometimes know the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. What is a trespass? Well, let's think about this in terms of everyday life. Uh, probably many of us have got been at point, some point in our lives, I know we live in a city, but probably at various points some of us have been in the countryside, gone for a walk in the countryside, and you're going down a country path, and there's a, there's a hedge and a fence, and there's a sign on the other side of the hedge which says, Trespassers will be prosecuted. What is a trespasser? Well, you see, there's this boundary, boundary line. A trespasser is somebody who goes across the boundary, who without permission or without any right to, goes into somebody else's land. He's, he's gone across, he's trespassed, he's gone across the, the boundary. Now, the thing is that God has set for us moral boundaries. He's told us things that we should and should not do. And uh, those things that he told us, first of all, were implanted in men's consciousness when he first made Adam and Eve. And then they were made explicit uh, in the Ten Commandments at the time of Moses. And these laws were summarized by the Lord Jesus Christ, quoting from the Old Testament, where he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So God has given us that boundary, and, within, and as long as we stay within his boundary of love, we're okay. But the problem is that we have, all of us, transgressed. We've gone through the boundary, through the barrier. We've not loved God. We should have loved God. We've loved idols and false gods and money and pleasure and, 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 and things like this rather than loving God. And we've not loved other people as we should have loved other people. We've been selfish unkind, rude, and, and, and greedy and lustful and had all sorts of bad thoughts and said and bad, done all sorts of bad things. Now, at various places in the Bible, the Bible lists the sorts of things that, that, that we've done as, as, as people. Here's just one list. I won't ask you to turn to it, but just listen to this list which describes mankind. And just think to yourself... I wonder if this is a description of me. Certainly I have to say, when, this, when I read this, this is a description of the sort of person that I am in my natural state. And I dare say you may well echo this as well. It says, they've become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant and boastful. 
They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Well, that's a pretty strong indictment, isn't it, of mankind? It's a pretty strong indictment of of all of us, isn't it, if we're honest? It's not a pretty read. It's not a very nice thing. It's rather, to be honest, quite embarrassing for us all, isn't it, to have ourselves exposed like that by the word of God. Now, this wouldn't matter to God if God was as bad as we are. You know know that expression, companion of thieves. If God was bad like us, well, that would be fine. We'd just be friends with God in, in, in evil. But of course, God isn't like us at all. God is totally opposed to, 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 to sin and wrongdoing. He absolutely hates it with a passionate loathing because he loves what is righteous with a very, very strong love. And so because God is so totally opposed to what is bad, then unless something is done about the wickedness and corruption that's within us, God can't have anything to do with us. And so um, we've become enemies of God. Uh, Here's another place in the Bible which describes this. In Ephesians 4, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says about men in their natural state, he says, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Alienated from the life of God. That's our problem. Alienation. Separation from God. Uh, We read earlier in in Colossians about how the Apostle Paul describes the believers there, how they were before God reconciled, before they were reconciled to God. He says that before they were reconciled, they were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Now, I need to say to you, to, to each one of us here, If you have not yet been reconciled to God, that's a description of how you are now. I'll say that not with any pleasure, not with any smugness or anything else, but with great sorrow. But it's true. If you've not yet been reconciled to God, you at this present time, you are alienated from God. And you are hostile towards him. And the Bible tells us that God's enemies are in grave danger because God is just and he must punish sin. And the just punishment for sin is eternal torment in hell. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 27, the writer speaks about the Fearful expectation of judgment 
and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So if you are still an enemy of God, you are in grave danger. And so I must warn you with, with love and tenderness that if you are not right with God, you, you are in a very, very dangerous position. And if you do not become reconciled, his wrath one day will break out upon you and you'll be swept away to everlasting torment in hell. But that's not the end of the story. And so we continue. Secondly, how reconciliation with God is possible. We read in verse 19 again. Just have a look there again with me. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. not counting their trespasses against them. So this tells us how that God has provided a means by which people can become reconciled with himself through him not counting their trespasses against them. Now, this word counting This uh, comes from the world of accountancy. You know, it's the same, you know, counting, accountancy comes from that same word, doesn't it? That, that whole idea. What does an accountant do? An accountant puts money into different categories. So suppose someone takes out a debt of £20,000. As the accountant is doing that man's accounts... He will put in the debit column £20,000. And then in the balance column, he'll say minus £20,000. But suppose a friend of that person says, I'm going to pay off that debt. So then the accountant, what he does is he puts £20,000 in the credit column. And in the balance, it's now showing zero. So this is how we were with God. We, in our natural state, we are, we've got this huge debt against God. We owe him an enormous amount because of all the wrong things that we've done. But through Jesus Christ, God cancels out that debt. And in fact, he credits his people with the righteousness of Jesus. He treats those who trust in him as though they are completely perfect. This is spoken about a bit more in verse 21. Look at verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of of God. So we this talks about how 
God has, as it were, written above Jesus, my son equals the sin of everybody who's going to trust in him. So Jesus is treated as the sins of all his people with the result that those who trust in Jesus are treated as righteous in God's sight, completely without fault. And so what this means is, for the person who trusts in Jesus, God treats that person as though he he or she has never sinned in the whole of his or her life. We are treated by God as being completely without sin. Our sin is placed onto Jesus and Jesus' righteousness is placed onto us. A great swap takes place. And this means that the person who trusts in Jesus for the rest of his life and the rest of her life is treated as being completely Completely without any sin. So now this means that whereas before God couldn't be friends with us because of all of our sin, now that our sin is taken away, if we trust in him, the way is open for us to become friends with God again. Now this leads us to the third thing. God's plea for us to be reconciled with him, with him. Let's look again at verse 18. All this is from God who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So Paul is here Uh, recognizing that he himself, at one point in time, was not an enemy of God. Was an enemy of God, and you can read about this in the book of Acts, in chapters seven to nine. The book of Acts, uh, his name was Saul, and he was full of hatred for God, and he was persecuting the Lord's people because because he hated Jesus so much. But Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and he was converted. And he became friends with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was reconciled to God. And now he's saying, he's saying, me having been reconciled, now I've got this job, this ministry of reconciling others. I go to other people and I say to other people, please will you be reconciled to God? God wants you to be reconciled with him. Come to him, trust in him, so that you can have your your sins taken away, so that you can be be at peace with God yourself. And as we've seen in verse 19, he says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And then he continues, and entrusting to us the message of, of reconciliation. So here is this message. God wants to be friends with you. Come and be friends with him. And then he says in verse 20, 
Therefore we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. Now the word that he uses there is a very gentle word. He could say, God as, God as king commands you to repent of your sins and to believe in Jesus. And the Bible does sometimes use that language. But here he uses a word which means, well, it's translated there, appeal. Uh, it's sometimes translated comfort, encourage, urge, exhort. God is gently urging you. Come. Come and receive this reconciliation. And the next thing he says is even more extraordinary and remarkable. He says in verse 20, second of verse, end of verse 20, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now he's speaking in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ here. And on behalf of Jesus, he says, we implore you. Now the word that's used there is a very strong word. It's a word which is often used when somebody really desperately asks another person to do something. I'll just give you a few examples, just so you get an idea. Luke 5, verse 12, it says this. While he was in one of the cities, there was a man came full of leprosy, and he saw Jesus. He, when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. Another example, Luke 8, 29. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said in a loud voice, What have you come, what have I, what have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? I beg you, do not torment me. This is a man who got evil spirits inside him. And the evil spirits are begging Jesus not to torment. Luke 8, verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might go, might be with him. And here's the same word. I'm begging you to be reconciled to God. That's a bit strong, isn't it? I don't think I would dare to say that if it wasn't in the Bible. It's a very strong word. Jesus, as it were, on his knees, begging sinners to be reconciled to himself. What? How could the king of kings, as it were, beg the people who, with whom he's got a quarrel? They're the sinners. They're the ones who've, who've done wrong. But he says to them, please, will you be reconciled with me? Isn't that extraordinary? Now, of course, it's not because there's anything weak about Jesus. It's not as if, oh, you know, poor Jesus needs some friends. <laughs> of course not. He's the all-sufficient God. 
He has everything he needs. He has all the comforts and pleasures that he needs. Why then does there's this language? Because there's love. He wants sinners to be saved. He wants you. Why? Because he loves you. He really loves you and wishes and would have you to come to him. Do you remember the story of the, uh, that Jesus told the parable of the lost sheep? The, the shepherd leaves the 99 in the field. He goes off and he looks for the one lost sheep. And when he finds that sheep, he rejoices. Right? <laughs> I found my sheep. And he carries his sheep home and he gets, gets his friends together. Hey, look, I found my lost sheep. Or the woman who's lost the coin. Oh, I've, and eventually she finds the coin and she gets again. Wow, I found my, that really valuable coin. that I'll, I found it. She's so glad. And then there's a third story, isn't it? There's a son who gets lost, who wanders off. And then he comes home and the father show, throws a great party. He's so pleased because his lost son has come home. And this is, this is the attitude of God towards sinners. He wants sinners to be saved. He wants his enemies to be at peace with him. You know, sometimes I talk with people and they say, well, I don't know that God would really want me. I've been 85 years a rebel. It's too late for me now. No, it's not. Oh, I, I tried being a Christian and I failed and I tried again and I failed and I tried again and I failed. I can't think that God would have me back again now. Of course he would. Of course he would. He wants people, he wants sinners to be reconciled with him. And then the fourth thing we see is the urgency. Look at verse chapter 6 and verses 1 to 2. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you to get right with God. We don't know if there will be another a, a day tomorrow, do we? We don't know if a button's going to be pressed in Moscow and we're all vaporized. We, we don't know what's going to happen, do we? You don't know if you're going to have some terrible illness and you'll be suddenly swept away and gone. You don't know if Jesus will come back tonight. And then the doors will be shut. But what you do know is that right now the door is open. That's what you do know. Right now you can be reconciled to God. You might not be able to be tomorrow. 
but you can today. So today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to be saved. There's no light, there's no time like today. Now is the time. Don't put it off. Perhaps some of you have been coming to the church here for years. You know you're a sinner. You know you need to be saved. You know you're not right with God. You know that Jesus is the only way to be saved. And you're saying to yourself, one of these days, I'll ask Jesus to save me. No. Don't say one of these days. Say, today. Right now. I'm going to ask Jesus to save me. God wants me. He's clear. He's provided the way for me to be saved. That's clear. What's holding me back? Why should I not come to Jesus? Well, you might say, well, what will my friends do if I come to Jesus? Well, what is the, what is the value of your friends, what your friends think of you, in comparison with what God thinks of you? Will your friends save you from hell? Oh, well, I might lose my money if I become a Christian. Well, can your money save your soul? Whatever price there might be, when there is a price, of course, in being a Christian, there's a huge price. But what is that in comparison with the dreadful cost of dying outside of Christ, of dying an enemy of God? How terrible that will be. To face God, not reconciled. How awful. How unimaginably ghastly that will be on that judgment day when you stand before him and you know you're not right with him. And you have to give an account for your life. Don't let that happen. Come to him. Come to him today. All that's necessary for you to be saved has been done. Jesus has died on that cross. The way of salvation is open. God wants you to come. So come. And come quick. Well, may God write his word upon our hearts. And maybe, may he give us that grace to, to act upon what he says. We will have a few moments of quiet now. And this gives an opportunity, maybe there might be some who, who want right now, you want to pray to the Lord right now where you are uh, to ask the Lord to save you, to put you at peace with him. So I don't want to let that opportunity pass by. So we will have a few moments of quiet where you can pray to the Lord and, and you can ask the Lord to, 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 to make you to be his friend. And then uh, we will sing our final hymn. So uh, just a few moments of quiet now.